Good morning. Welcome to QBC. We're so glad to have you with us today to worship our Lord. Today's flowers have been placed by Joan Bradway in loving memory of John Bradway. Our volunteers will be delivering Meals on Wheels this week, so thank you for all our volunteers. Please see the note of appreciation from the Jardim and Thomas families in your bulletin. If you are responsible for providing a report for our annual report, you have been notified at your home email address. The deadline for all reports is Sunday, January 14th. So please don't wait until the deadline. Dottie is eagerly waiting to see them, so please don't wait till the last day. She will appreciate that. Sunday, January 21st is Pastor Appreciation Day. We will be having a soup and sandwich luncheon immediately following the Sunday school hour, so please sign up in the back and please come so we can show our appreciation to Pastor Jay. And check your bulletin for this week's opportunities. That's it. Well, good morning. Have we opened in a word of prayer? Father, we are so thankful that we can meet together as one body in Christ. We're thankful for your promises to meet with us. And Father, we just pray that all of our cares and thoughts and concerns about the world will go away. We pray that we'll focus on your word today. And we're just so thankful for your goodness. In your name, amen. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. So let's stand together and sing about the goodness of God.
pray. Lord, we do uh, praise you for today. We praise you for this new year. And as we start a new year, Lord, we pray that this would be a year for you. We pray that uh, lives would be changed for you this year. We pray that hearts would be changed for you this year. Lord, we pray that that would start with each one of us. We pray that we would become more like you this year. 
Lord, I bring before you these prayer requests, Lord. First of all, we praise you uh, that uh, Stephen Van Meter's skin graft was successful, Lord. We do just pray that you'd continue uh, to bless the healing process, Lord, that he would be able to uh, recover completely from that. We do pl- pray for Betty Brennan, Lord, as she's just dealing with pneumonia. We pray that you would be there to uh, bring healing to her, Lord, that you would comfort her in the middle of all of that, and Lord, that you would be able to get past this quickly. Lord, we uh, do just continue to lift up uh, Sherman Ann Miller, Lord, and just everything that they're going through. We pray for wisdom and direction and guidance for them as they make decisions, as they talk with doctors. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just help them to uh, just know your course of path going forward. And Lord, we do ultimately pray that it would bring healing. Lord, we pray that you would be behind everything, that you would be the one working, you would be the one who's bringing about healing. Lord, we do uh, just continue to pray for Arlene, Lord, as she's had her uh, second round of uh, treatment this past week. Lord, we do just pray that you would uh, help her. She uh, just deals with the different side effects, deals with different discomfort from that. Lord, we do just pray that uh, you would just be with her through all of that. And Lord, I do just pray uh, that it would bring about healing for her as she just continues these treatments. Lord, we do uh, just pray for everyone this season, Lord. It's, it's just been a season of colds and flus and uh, different sicknesses. And Lord, uh, it seems like every time I turn around, I'm hearing about somebody else who's sick. And Lord, we do just pray that you'd bring about healing for them, that you would uh, just help things not to spread. You would help people to remain healthy. And Lord, we do just, again, just pray for healing for anyone who's sick this morning. Lord, we do uh, just pray for our church this upcoming year, Lord. And uh, just all the different things that we're doing, Lord, the stuff that we're doing uh, just on a weekly basis, but also the outreach that we're doing, all the different special things that we do. Lord, I do just pray that you'd bless it. I pray that you would help our church to grow this year. Uh, and Lord, I pray that that growth would start with us growing deeper in our relationship with you. And Lord, I do just pray that, uh, that we would just be able to have an impact on the community around us this year. Lord, I do just pray that you would uh, just give our church a direction this year, that we would have a uh, just a, a path forward in serving you. And Lord, uh, I do pray for the upcoming meetings that our church has, Lord, and we do have the annual business meeting coming up and different things like that. Lord, I do just pray that you would uh, just give our church a wisdom and direction moving forward. And Lord, we do pray for our missionaries of the month, Lord, our Caitlin Hill, and we do just pray that you'd bless her and just all that she's doing, Lord, and uh, she's just going around a lot of different places, uh, just trying to teach language, but uh, through that, teaching about you. Lord, I do just pray that you would uh, just give her just opportunities to talk about you to the different people that she encounters. And Lord, we do just pray that you would just bless her as she is uh, just sharing your word with those around her. Lord, we do just pray as we continue the service, Lord, that our hearts would be t- t- tuned towards you, Lord. Or you just have hearts that are focused on you this morning. We do pray all these things in your name. Amen. During this next song, uh, children from the grades 1 through 3 will be uh, dismissed for Children's Church. So please rise and sing together.
seated. This morning's scripture reading is in Haggai. And if you go to Malachi, go back. The second book back will be Haggai. And it's Haggai chapter 1, 1 through 11. And it reads, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozak. The high priest saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple, and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have so much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. Your clothes, you close yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins. While every one of you runs to you, his own house, therefore the heavens above will withhold the dew and the earth will withhold its fruits. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains on the grain and the new wine, and the oil, and on, and on whatever the ground brings forth, on men, and livestock, and all, and on all labor of your hands. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you now, as we approach your word, Lord, we pray that you would be the one to speak to us this morning. We pray that we would come before you humbly. We'd come before you seeking to learn. We'd come before you looking to become more like you. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Now, without a show of hands, how many people here are HGTV people? HGTV is uh, a, f a channel that does a lot of renovation type shows, a lot of different house renos and different things like that. They, they've got shows like Property Brothers, Love It or List It, Fixer Upper, Good Bones, Rock the Block, No Demo Rem Reno, House Hunters, and many other shows like that. And we love watching these shows because we love watching people redo their houses and people redo the different houses that are out there. 
Now, personally, I'm not a huge HGTV person. However, there's one that I do like that's not on HGTV, but it's on, uh, I think, Animal Planet, but it's uh, Treehouse Masters, and they get to renovate treehouses instead, so it's much more fun as they get to renovate these treehouses. But we love watching different shows like this because we love looking at different people renovating houses, and we like to sit back and imagine our house and think about if we had all the money in the world, what would we do to renovate our houses? And we like to sit back and daydream about all the different construction that we would do if we had the opportunity. Well, this morning we're going to be starting a new series that's not talking about building our house, but it's talking about building God's house. We're going to be starting a series in the book of Haggai called Build God's house. It's going to be a fairly short series because Haggai is a fairly short book. Haggai is only two chapters long. It's right at the end of the Old Testament, just a, a, few, uh, a few books back from the end. And it's not necessarily a long book, but it has a lot to say to us. And we're going to look at what, what it has to say to us here over the next handful of weeks as we walk through this series. The book of Haggai is uh, from the prophet Haggai delivering messages to the people of Israel. And over the course of the two chapters, he delivers four messages. So we're going to take some time. We're going to walk through that. We're going to start this morning looking at the very first message that Haggai delivers to the people of Israel. Now, before we get there, I actually have to give you guys some historical context about what's happening uh, before Haggai. As Haggai approaches the scene, what is going on before him? And the answer to that is actually found in the book of Ezra. In fact, Ezra chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, specifically mentions Haggai coming onto the scene. So in order to kind of discuss what's happening in the book of Haggai, I actually have to start by backing up a little bit and looking in the book of Ezra. And there's four things that we're going to look at this morning. The very first one is the mission that God had for the people of Israel. And the mission was to build God's house. Now, what they were looking to build at the time was the temple. The temple was God's place that he met with Israel. Last week, as we talked about Exodus, Exodus wraps up with the tabernacle being built, and God dwells in the tabernacle for a time. But then after, uh, after some time, the kings come along, and King Solomon decides he's going to build God a more permanent place than the tabernacle. So with God's blessing, he builds the temple. And the temple becomes the center for where people worship the Lord. That is until 856 B.C. In 856 B.C., after Israel had sinned against God over and over and over again, God had the nation of Babylon come in and capture Israel and carry them into exile. And in 856 B.C. is when, they ran, is when Babylon ransacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And God's temple was completely destroyed. And it remained like that for approximately 60 or so years until God said it's time to rebuild the house. And it starts with, actually, the king of Persia. See, what happened was Babylon took over Jerusalem, but then Persia comes along and takes over Babylon. And then God stirs the hearts of the king of Persia. In Ezra chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation to all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, 
which is in Judah. So God stirs in Cyrus's heart, and he makes this proclamation that the temple of God, the house of God, is going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. And the people of Israel who are in exile at the time hear about this, and God stirs up their hearts so that they do something about it. If you look just a couple verses later in Ezra 1, verse 5, it says, Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. So God stirs up the people's hearts so that they want to go back and rebuild the house of the Lord. This mission is led by, initially led by, two main people, the one of whom is Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and he was a descendant of David, so he actually had rights to the throne of David, and he takes over the position of governor in that area and kind of leads the people, and then with him was uh, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, and he was the high priest, he was actually in the high priestly line. So he was somebody who was qualified to lead in the establishment of the temple. And these two people lead this group of Israelites. It's nearly 50,000 people. And they all go back to Jerusalem. And they've got a simple mission. To rebuild the temple. To build God's house. And you know, we have a similar mission today. Now, we're not necessarily all going to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, but we are given instruction by God to build His house. And His house is not made of brick and stone today. It's not made of wood or anything like that. God's house is made of people. In fact, when you get to the New Testament, you see that God's house starts being referred to as people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says this. He says, do you not know that you, and that you is a plural you. He's talking to a group of people. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And then in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, Paul says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into the dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So what are these verses saying? He's saying that we are God's dwelling place today. The church is God's house. The place he resides is with people. It's with you and me. And we're called to build that up. In fact, Jesus' mission that he gives the church is to build it up. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 22, Jesus says this. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God has given us this instruction to build up His church. Now, in that verse, there are two main ways that He is expecting the church to be built up. Much like if we were to do a renovation on a house today, there's two main ways that we can do that renovation. The first one is internal renovation, fixing problems within the church, make, or fixing problems within the house, making the house stronger. Maybe that's fixing the plumbing or redoing a room, repainting, knocking down walls, 
changing things within the house to strengthen it and to make it a stronger house. In the same way, God tells us to teach each other to obey God, to observe all that God has commanded us. But you know, there's a second way to build the house, and that is to build out, to add an addition, to build a new shed out outside of the house. And God calls us as well as a church to reach out. It says, go and make disciples. We need to reach out into the world. We, we need to do outreach in order to impact the community around us, and not just to impact them, but to share Christ with them. And that's our calling as a church. We have this mission that's before us to build the church, to build each other internally, to encourage each other, to teach each other, to train each other, to point each other to Christ, and then to grow externally by doing evangelism, by reaching out into the world around us, by sharing Christ with all of those around us. We have this responsibility to build God's house. But, you know, with that responsibility comes some difficulties. The next thing naturally is some obstacles. And as Israel started to rebuild God's house, there were some obstacles that came along. If you read in Ezra chapter 4, it lays out some obstacles. It says Israel had gotten through laying the foundation of God's house. They started to build that temple. They started to just get started. And then problems came. And the problems that Israel dealt with were twofold. First of all, there were external problems. And then there were problems within their own heart. Let's start with their external problems. Their external problems is there were people around them who didn't want them to build God's house. In Ezra chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, it says, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purposes. And then about a verse later, it says, They wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. So these people around Israel wanted to frustrate their plans. They started attacking them. They started uh, making them afraid. They started bribing the counselors above them to frustrate them. They end up writing this accusation about them, and they send it to the uh, governor of the area, and they say, if you allow these people to rebuild the house, they're going to rebel against you. So the king of the area says, okay, we're going to shut down this building project. And he commands that the building project has to get shut down. And it does. The Israelites stop doing their mission. They stop building God's house. And it stays stopped for about 16 years. That's a long time for it to stay stopped. That's a large chunk of our lives. For some people in this room, that is their entire lives. Think about some of the building projects that we have today. We, we often complain about some of the road projects and how long that takes. Well, I don't think we have any road projects that have taken 16 years. If so, then that's definitely something to complain about. Because projects aren't supposed to take that long. And that's how long Israel says it stopped working on God's house. And then at the end of those 16 years, Haggai comes in. And this is where we get to Haggai. He steps into the scene. And he's got this message. He says, you need to start building God's house again. But he starts that message by exposing something to the Israelites. And that's the fact that while there were external problems that caused them to stop building God's house, there were also internal problems that caused them to stop building God's house. There was problems with the Israelites and where they were at. And this is where we get to Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, Thus says the Lord of hosts, 
These people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? So God calls out to the people of Israel. He says, listen, you guys are saying it's not yet time to rebuild the house. You're saying we need to wait longer. We've already waited 16 years, but it's not time yet. We need to keep waiting. And God says, well, what about your houses? How are your houses right now? And we realize something, that while Israel had stopped working on God's house, they started working on their house. And they started building their house up. They started trying to acquire wealth. They started working to, in order to make more money, in order to get more produce, in order to build their houses as if they were dwelling in paneled houses. Paneled houses at that point in time were like nice houses. It wasn't just like a set up a tent. It's like, no, they're really going out of their way to make their houses nice. And God says, you're working on your house, but my house is in ruins. And he exposes something to them, and that's their priorities. Where were their priorities? Their priorities were on their own house first. Their priorities were on their own lives first. Their priorities were on everything that they were going through first and on God's house second. God's house third, fourth, fifth, wherever it ended up. They pushed off working on God's house so that they could work on their house. So what about us? What about obstacles that we have in our lives for doing God's work, for building God's house, the people of the church that we're called to build up. What are we doing? How often do we get distracted with misplaced priorities? You know, sometimes the problems that we have in building God's house are external. Maybe somebody, uh, a friend of ours is telling us, hey, you shouldn't be going to church. You should be doing something else. Or maybe a boss of ours is saying, hey, I need you to work instead of going to that church event because work is more important and I need you to be doing that. Or maybe it's even sometimes somebody here at church that you're just having problems with and they're making it so that you don't necessarily want to be here. And there are some external problems that we have, but most of the time, I think the reason that people don't serve the Lord is because we put our houses first instead of God's house. We have misplaced priorities. We say, I've got so many things happening in my life right now, and I'll get to it when I can. I'll get to serving the Lord when I can. And today's world around us is just encouraging us to do it more and more. I think today's world is created to be as busy as possible. We like having a busy culture. You're supposed to be running all over the place. It's even more so for anyone with kids as we have, you know, play practice and band practice and sports teams and all those different things that the kids are a part of. And it's very easy to get caught up in all the busyness of our lives and of our family's lives, and of our own house. But are we doing that at the expense of God's house? Now, I'm not saying that doing all those, those other things is wrong. It's good to play sports. It's good to do all those different things. And it's good to work. We're called to work. But we need to make sure our priorities are in the right place. Are we putting God's house first? Or are we putting our house first? So that brings us to Haggai's message. There was this mission that Israel had to build God's house. There were the obstacles that were preventing them from building it. And then Haggai gives this message. And the message is very specific. It's consider your ways. Look at what God says to Haggai in verse 5. Haggai chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. 
You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld their dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain and the new wine, the oil, on the ground that brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. So God has this message, and he says the words, consider your ways twice. He says, think about what you're doing. Think about the path in your life. The literal translation for that is actually, set your heart on the right path. That's what God's saying. Figure out where your heart is. Consider your ways. God says, listen, you've been so focused on your own life, and how has that turned out for you? He says, you've spent time working and you don't make the money you want. You clothe yourself, but you're never, uh, you're never warm. You eat and drink, but you're never full. You're spending all this time working on your house, and it's not working for you. And then God says something very interesting. He says, it hasn't been working for you because I've made sure it hasn't. God says, I've been the one who sent the drought. I've been the one who swept away what you brought home. God says, listen, I've been doing this to try to get you in a wake-up call, to try to get you alert, try to get you to stop thinking about your own life and start thinking about my house. God says, I've tried to be sending these things to you, but you haven't gotten the message yet. So here's the message. Consider your ways. Think about your life. Think about what you're doing. He says, stop putting things off. Stop procrastinating. In verse 2, he says, you've been saying it's not yet time to rebuild God's house. Well, guess what? Yes, it is. Stop procrastinating. Stop putting it off. We have a company today called Nike, and their slogan is, just do it. And God says, just do it. Build the house. In verse uh, 7, he says, go up to the hill, or in verse 8, he says, go up to the hills, get the wood, get started, build my house. And he gives a reason why. What's his reason why? He says, so that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified. Start thinking about God's glory. That's what God's saying. God's saying, I deserve the glory. I am the creator of the universe. We talked about God's glory a lot over the past handful of weeks. God says, give me the glory by building my house. Build the house. Consider your ways. Get onto the mission of building God's house. Now that's ultimately the question that we have before us. Is are we going to build God's house? Are we, where are our priorities? What's the instruction that's before us? We need to consider our ways, consider where we're at. We have this mission from God to build his house. We have these obstacles, these things getting in the way, but what are we going to do about it? Consider our ways. We need to think about what's important in our life. We need to go serve the Lord. We need to build his house. Now, I did just want to address a couple um, things that have, I've heard people say when, you know, we talk about this. These are uh, some different things that I've heard said, and I just want to address them real quick. And these are all valid things, but I do want to talk a little bit about them. I've, things I've heard people say, 
reasons why we don't serve in the church. One of the things that I've heard a lot of people say is that I just don't know enough about the Bible. What if I try to witness to my friend and he talks me under, uh, talks me under the bus and I can't keep up with him? He knows more than me. Or what if I can't, I can't teach in uh, the children's church or different things like that? I just don't know enough about the Bible. And if that's where you are today, there's a couple things I want to say. First of all, if you know God, if you know that He loves you, that He sent His Son to die for you, so you can have forgiveness of your sin, then you know enough to share Christ with somebody. You just have to tell them your story. Start at the beginning. Start out where you are in life, that you were a sinner, that God, because of His love, rescued you. That's all you really need. Now, there's more that you can add on to that, but you can always start with wherever you're at. And the second thing that I would say is, if you feel like this, there's opportunities to learn, to learn more about God. A lot of the people that I've talked to who have said this line when I say, okay, so what are you doing about it? What are you doing to know more about the Bible? They don't really have an answer. And if you're in that position today, I'd encourage you to do something about it, to learn more about the Bible, to learn more about God. We have different things here at the church. We have Sunday school. We have different types of classes that you can be a part of. We have things like Right Now Media, an online resource that has a ton of videos that talk about anything from apologetics to the church to growing deeper in a, in a specific book of the Bible or knowing more theology. We have these different things that are available to you. We can learn more. There's always something we can do to learn more about God. If you feel like you don't know enough about God or the Bible, then it's an option that you have to do something about it. A second thing I've heard people say is, I don't want to be in front of people. And this is, I think, a very common one. People say, well, if I serve, then I'm going to have to stand up where you are, Pastor Jay, and I'm going to have to preach to a bunch of people. And the answer is no, you do not have to do that. There's so many opportunities here in the church, here in our community, to serve with people, just to meet with people one-on-one, -on -one, to just talk with people. You don't have to go in front of the whole group of people. There's so many opportunities to serve that involve just background work, just the little things that happen behind the scenes that are so important in building God's church. You don't need to be in front of people to serve. There's plenty of opportunities to serve the Lord. Third thing I've heard a lot of people say is, I just don't know where to start. You know, I, I want to serve the Lord. I just don't know where, where to begin. Where, where do I start this whole thing? And if you're in that boat, I would encourage you to talk to somebody. Talk to me. I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you about how you can serve the Lord. There are plenty of opportunities here in our church. There's tons of different opportunities for you to say, where am I strong at? What am I good at? How can God use that to build his house? But it starts with asking somebody. Talk to me. Talk to one of the deacons. We would love to have a conversation with you about how you can get involved in our church. But it starts with you having to take a step. That's what it always comes down to. Are we considering our ways? Are we thinking about our lives? Are we setting our priorities straight? Are we saying, I need to get on the mission of building God's house? That's where it's got to start. Are we building God's house? The last thing I want to talk about is, as we start to do this, there's this blessing that comes along with it. God says He will be with us. And that is the blessing that we get, the God's presence with us. Look at the end of this chapter. After Haggai preaches this first message, we get this response by the people. And I love this response because uh, normally in, in the Bible, when the prophets speak, a lot of people just ignore what they have to say. But that's not what happens here. As Haggai speaks to the people, it says the people listened. 
Read Haggai chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadat, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadat, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. So the message works. The people, it says that God does the work. He stirs up the hearts of the people. He has this reaction in people, and the people turn to him. They say, God is right. Haggai is right. We need to start building God's house again. And that's what they start doing. This is they start working on God's house. And in the middle of all of that, Haggai has this one extra message for them from the Lord. That one extra message is simple. I am with you. Think about that. Think about how powerful that would be. At this moment where these people feel like God is so distant from them. They're trying to rebuild the house. They're trying to figure things out. As a nation in their relationship with God, they're supposed to be a nation that was uh, for God. They're supposed to be God's holy nation. They were so far from that, and they were trying to figure it out. And in the middle of all of that, God says, listen, I am with you. Now, that's a huge contrast to what we see earlier in the chapter, right? Earlier in the chapter, God's saying, listen, you've been trying to build your own houses, and I've been against that. I've been making sure it doesn't work out. And now God says, as you start to work on my house, I'm going to be with you. And this is the odd uh, irony that we find in the Bible. The more that we focus less on our house and more on God's house, the more God says, I will take care of your house. In fact, we see that when you get to the New Testament. In the words of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, within the context of what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6, he's talking about what we need to live. Jesus is not saying, I'm going to give you everything that you could possibly ever want if you, if you seek my faith. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'll give you what you need. I will take care of you. But what's the instruction? Seek first the kingdom of God. Put him first. Put his righteousness first. If we put God first, God says, I will take care of the rest. You see, when we start to say, I'm putting God first, I want to build his house first, then what we're saying to God is, God, I'm going to need you to take care of my house because I'm not focusing on that. And God says, okay, I will. God says, I, will, I can take care of anyone's house. I can take care of all the people in the world. I am God. I am that good. I am that powerful that I can take care of you. But he asks us to focus on him, to put him first to seek his house, to seek his righteousness, to seek his kingdom. So this is where we're at this morning. Where is our lives at? We have this mission from God. This mission is to build God's house. We as a church, Quentin Baptist Church, we have this slogan, faith, growth, legacy, and we've talked about it a handful of times. But what we mean by that is when we talk about faith, we talk about reaching out to people with the gospel message. We talk about evangelism. This is when I talked earlier about we're called as a church to reach out into the world around us. 
And then we have the word growth. And the word growth means that we're supposed to grow deeper in Christ. We're supposed to build the church from within by starting with ourselves and growing deeper in our relationship with God. And the last word is legacy. And legacy means impact. It means what do we leave behind when we're done? What is the impact that we have on the world around us? And we have, <coughs> we have those three words, but the focus of all three of them is what are we doing for the Lord? Are we reaching people for the Lord? Are we building each other up for the Lord? Are we having an impact on the world around us for the Lord? We have this mission in front of us. There are also obstacles to this mission. There are problems that we have with those around us, but then there's misplaced priorities within us where we're so quick to put our own lives first, to put our own house first. And the message that we have this morning is we need to consider our lives. We need to consider our ways. Are we putting God's house first? Are we saying, I want to build God's house? And then God says, if you, as you do that, he says, I am with you. I can take care of you. I will be the one to be with you. So as we start this new year, as we start 2024, the question that each one of us has to deal with is, what does 2024 look like for us? You know, 20, uh, New Year's is a great time to set resolutions and all of those things about how we can improve ourselves. But what about a resolution to how to build God's house this year? What are you going to do this year to build God's house, to build our church this year? The church can't be built by one person. The church can't be built by two or three people. We all need to be involved in building God's house. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we praise you that you are God, that you are king, that, this, that the church belongs to you. You are the bridegroom for, our, for the church. And Lord, we know that you've given us this mission, the mission to build your church, to build your house, to impact those around us for you, to reach out in evangelism and share you with others and to build into each other to do discipleship, to grow closer with you. We have this mission. And Lord, we're so quickly in our hearts, we confess we're so quick to focus on our own lives, to focus on our own house, to focus on our own world. And we're so quick to forget about you. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to think about our lives, to consider our ways, to think about what is important, where our priorities are. Lord, I pray that we would put you first and ourselves second. Lord, I pray that we would build your house first and our house second. I pray that we would build your glory first and our glory second. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's rise together and worship him in song as we prepare our hearts for communion.
You know, we talked a lot this morning about building God's house, building the church. But we need to start by remembering what Jesus did for the church. How Jesus built the church. He built each one of us by shedding His own blood to pay the penalty for our sins. That's the foundation to all of it. The one verse we had earlier said that Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. And He's the cornerstone because of what He did on the cross for us. He died to pay the penalty for our sins that we can have a relationship with God. That's where it starts. That's where it's always started. And that's what we take time right now to remember. We're about to participate in communion. Communion is a time that we remember. We remember what Christ did for each one of us. There's nothing mystical or special about anything that we're doing here this morning. It's not something that saves us. It's not something that uh, gives us salvation. It's something that we do to remember our salvation. 
something we do to remember Jesus Christ and that His body was given for us, that His blood was shed for us. And you know, we're called to do it in a right manner. We're going to take just a moment right now and inspect our hearts. Consider our own ways. Consider our own lives and where we're at. Confess any sin that needs to be confessed to the Lord and prepare our hearts for communion. Let's take a moment and do that now. Albert, can you pray for the bread? Our Father, we do thank you for this morning where we can come and remember all that Christ did for us. Father, for the sacrifice that he made for to be um, beaten and put up on a cross and die for our sins, Father. We thank you so much for that. Help us to always remember that, always be thankful, and always be willing to serve you because of what he did for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.
Jesus said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was over, Jesus took the cup. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for what you did for us on Calvary, Lord. Your body was broken. You took the sins of the world upon yourself. And then you said, it is finished. But yet, it's just the beginning, the beginning of our lives that we can count on you to be there for us at all times in every situation. And we thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, shed for you and for all for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, let's pray in the words our Savior gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please rise as we sing together. Nothing 
head out today, we have this mission for us to build God's house. And Lord, as we head out, we pray that we would build your house, that we would set our own priorities right, that we would put you first, that we would put aside our world second and put you first. I pray as we go out this week that we would have hearts would be yielded to you to build your house this week, this month, and this year. Pray these things in your name. Amen.